the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, powered by Bill Barr. My name is Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. Got our final draft class recap episode of this week, talking about the Arizona Cardinals, a team that's had a couple of really exciting drafts here back-to-back. Their draft picks this year, I gotta say, I did not expect Isaiah Simmons to be the pick at number eight, especially with all the offensive tackles that were left on the board, but that's who the Cardinals chose Hard to go against it, man. Simmons is such an awesome prospect. In the third round, they ended up landing with Josh Jones. They stopped his fall. I also didn't think Josh Jones was going to last as long as he did, the tackle from Houston. Fourth round, they had two picks. Lecky Fotu, the defensive tackle from Utah, and then Rashard Lawrence, the defensive tackle from LSU. Sixth round, they went Evan Weaver, the linebacker out of California. And then the seventh round, Eno Benjamin, running back from Arizona State. Then when you look at this Cardinals draft class, top to bottom. It's kind of interesting because it's got a couple of dudes where you thought, man, they got these guys later than we thought that they would be, including even Simmons, who we mocked at number four overall. They get him at eight. What do you think of the Cardinals class? I think a lot of people think the Cardinals got plus talent, especially for going in and not having the second round pick because of the DeAndre Hopkins trade. But once you fold Hop in with the rest of this class, right. the Cardinals have a class that especially relative to how Twitter and and, and draft communities online view the class, just really great value picks across the board. Goes to be seen how these guys are going to fit, how they're going to develop. But if we're talking purely off of pre-draft boards, Cardinals have one of the best drafts. They really did. And I thought that they got good talent. Interesting where they got them, but uh, I think that they improved the roster a lot with this draft class. So to figure out where these guys fit, as well as some of the 2019 guys that I'm sure that we'll talk about a little bit, we have on the podcast with us today, Alex Clancy, who is the host of the Locked on Cardinals podcast. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I got to start out with this. In Alex's bio on Twitter, he has pineapple on pizza. And I have kind of been a little bit silent about this because I wasn't a big pineapple on pizza guy for a while. I'm all in on it. I love it. The salty and sweet, I'm a fan. So I'm glad that Alex is crusading it. for it. I, w- I was wondering, Ben, what you thought of pineapple on pizza because now there are two of us <laughs> on the podcast who were for it. I was wondering how you felt about it. It's it's good. Like, is it my go-to pizza order? No. But, like, if I see pineapple on pizza, I'm not deterred. And I think that's the that's the bar to clear. Alex, is this, like, your go-to pizza, like Ben was saying? Like, a pine- are you are you almost always, when you're ordering pizza, trying to put pineapples on that bad boy? You know, I, I'm, what it, I'm a pizza chameleon, I guess. Um, I, I really don't I subscribe to one channel of pizza. But when it comes down <laughs> to it, my, uh, my go-to Domino's pizza is... Pineapple, jalapeno, and bacon. Oh, and, oh wow. You know, I can go, see, you go back and forth. You don't need to put the hot sauce on there because you have the jalapeno. And when, it, when it's bacon, you get a nice little heat from it. Uh, if there's garlic option, I put garlic in there too. So pineapple is a portion of it. But if I were to get a one-topping pizza, it would more than not be jalapeno or bacon than, than uh, pineapple. But if it's more than a solo adventure, pineapple is definitely there. Yeah, beauty of us, you don't have to choose. I'm very intrigued on this pineapple jalapeno yeah. bacon combo. I might have to, uh, <laughs> I might have to make that happen on my next order. Okay, and I'm, I'm sure that you didn't think that you'd be talking about pineapples on pizza as the first question. So we'll get a little <laughs> bit to the Cardinals draft here. As I alluded to, Isaiah Simmons at number eight. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't, I didn't really think that Simmons was gonna be there. Ben kind of 
prepared me for this in the weeks leading up to yep. the saying that, hey, if Simmons doesn't go early, it's interesting where you're going to find a spot for him. And I think one of the reasons for that is because we believed the Cardinals were going to be in on an offensive tackle. They had a lot of options at offensive tackle, still on the board at number eight, yet still went with Simmons. Was Simmons the right pick over some of those big three offensive tackles that were still left? You know, let's start with number four with the Giants. When they took Andrew Thomas, I knew something was amiss. Because Andrew Thomas was supposed to, and you guys probably know better than anybody, especially in the Long Talk Lockdown Podcast Network, that Andrew Thomas starting last season in college football was the number one guy with Georgia. And then he slowly started to go down the ranks. And when Steve Kime came out after and said Andrew Thomas was the number one tackle on their board, it's like, okay, that makes sense that they went elsewhere with Wills, Worse, et cetera, Mekhi Becton still there. When a guy like Isaiah Simmons drops to you, when you didn't really, you're like maybe the fanboy in me. I'm not a huge Cardinals fan. Uh, this is my fourth season doing the, uh, the lockdown podcast, uh, podcast for the Cardinals. When Isaiah Simmons is there, I would have been over the moon pissed off if they didn't take him because the chance that he could be the next great fill in the blank, whatever. It's not necessarily going to be a Derwin James or Jamal Adams. It could be a smaller Ray Lewis. We have no idea what he's going to turn into at the NFL level. But fanboy and me, stoked they drafted Isaiah Simmons. Uh, the media member, the I don't know, analytics guy, seeing Kyler Murray run around for his life last year, the fact that Tristan Worth and Mekhi Becton were there and they didn't take either of them, that surprised me on draft day for sure. Now, there was the Vance Joseph quote on what Isaiah Simmons is going to be when they bring him in initially. And obviously, it's a weird camp year, so it's tough to say exactly how this is going to go. But Joseph had that quote where he basically said, listen, he's going to start for us at linebacker. He's going to be a linebacker, and he's going to do other things. He's going to be diamond sub package, but he's going to be a linebacker. That quote kind of caught some fire because I think people really want to see Simmons get to do everything. So in your understanding, now having closely followed what Joseph has said, what they said immediately after making the pick, what should we expect from Simmons in year one? Is it going to be that rigid, he's a linebacker, is where he lines up? Or do you think that across the course of the season, as he gets more comfortable, learns more of the playbook, they will open him up to play more positions? I think it was a very mature thing of Vance Joseph to say. It wasn't, it wasn't serving the fans or the media member, national media, whatever. Vance Joseph is coaching for his job next year. So it would behoove him, as well as Isaiah Simmons, to focus on one thing and do it at an exceptional level. You don't want a guy that's B-minus at four things. You want a guy that's an A-plus at two things. And Isaiah Simmons does have a unique skill set where he runs a sub-4, 440, 6'3", 220. We all know the measurables of this. The dude is a freak, and the Cardinals need help with two things, coverage of tight ends and stopping the run up the middle. And those are things over the last two seasons that they've been, well, I mean, inept would be uh, an understatement at it. So the fact you have Jordan Hicks, who's a mauler inside, was top five in tackles last year, and you you can put a guy like Isaiah Simmons there with his skill set. I think what Vance Joseph said was exactly what he was supposed to say. And we don't like boring until we get something outlandish, you're like, man, I kind of missed that coach speak. When you get coach speak, you're not happy with it. I just I remind people that Robert Salad, defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, two years ago was almost out of a job. And then he was getting head coaching looks because they had right. good players. So don't sell Vance Joseph short yet. 
he has good players now on both sides of the ball. So when you have in a competent offense and a defense with some guys that you can actually boot a Baker and Chandler Jones, uh, Jordan Hicks, Patrick Peters, I mean, you have guys. Watch Revenge Joseph to become in the good graces of the national media now starting with what he said about Isaiah Simmons. Josh Jones was their second selection of this draft. They picked him in the third round. We were told pre-draft that opinions were all over the place on Jones. Could have been a potential late first-round guy. Could have been a guy who goes in the third round. Ends up being a third-round selection, number 72, which that's a lot later than even I thought that Jones was going to go. They add him as the offensive line pick. You mentioned that Kyler Murray was kind of running around for his life last year. Not so sure Jones helps that out immediately, but where were the big issues along the offensive line for the Cardinals? How is Josh Jones going to fit into all of that as you hope one of a run-on pieces over the next year or two where they can really improve that offensive line? I mean... The, it, let's start with Josh Jones. It's the pick itself. There were rumblings, and I'm sure you heard them being for the for the um, the draft network. You you heard that the Cardinals were talking about trading back with Atlanta to 16, and they were targeting Josh Jones at 16 because all rational wisdom at that point was thinking that there would have been four offensive linemen, three at least, gone before they picked at eight. So the fact that that didn't happen and they didn't trade back, and you get him 55-plus picks later in the third round, it was one of those things where I turned my fanboy hat on again. I was sitting on my couch having a beer uh, over the weekend or Friday night, whenever the third round was, and I was like, come on. It's like in fantasy football where your sleeper's there. You're like, I need eight picks to go. Come on. Just take need. And there were so many offensive linemen that went, so many wide receivers that went early in the second round and late late into the second round that all those picks just started to come up like, oh my God, they're five picks away. This this would be an immaculate pick. And they ended up grabbing him. And it's just one of the, oh, the guys, the team that didn't take him right before the Cardinals. And this was, you have to get lucky, especially in those, in those mid rounds where you can kind of target a guy and hope that he falls. And he fell in, who knows? He may not be starting week one, but you asked the initial question about where the issues were on the offensive line. It's the right side. I mean, whether it be through injury with Marcus Gilbert that they traded for, who didn't play it down last year, they only gave up a seventh-round pick for him, but still. And then Justin Murray comes in, you know, Jared Sweezy, Justin Pugh, guys moving all over the line. This is my line about the offensive line for the Arizona Cardinals since they drafted Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's legs is the best offensive lineman the Arizona Cardinals have. And the the less he has to use those, especially at a young age, the less he has to run around, uh, the better but that doesn't mean that he can't do that to keep them in games, which he did last year. I mean, that's one thing about – that's one comparison to Russell Wilson you don't want to have. Him getting sacked constantly through his whole career and just somehow miraculously Houdiniing it behind the line to keep teams in games. But for now, it's a good start. They gave DJ Humphreys a very team-friendly deal with team-friendly guaranteed money on the left side. So we're hoping this bookends for the next 10 years to the Cardinals. Alex, you said there that, uh, you know, Jones may not start. I think that the Cardinals line has undergone undergone so many changes, you know, acquisitions. They've tried different combos of guys. I look at it and I'm not positive who's locked in as a starting job and who's getting a competition for their job. So on the line, who do you think going into week one has their job locked down? And then on the spots where there's not a lockdown, who's the battle between? 
The only one that has their job locked is DJ Humphreys and probably Mason Cole if he's going to be starting at center. Um, that's it. AQ Shipley is no longer with the team. He was the the elder statesman right. who played center, and you know that's it. Like this is there are no solidified pieces because none of those guys really got paid. You know, Justin Q got a little cash a couple years ago when they brought in him and Andre Smith, and that's about it in my in my estimation. It's going to be Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is going to be carrying the load, and he's going to make the offensive linemen look better than they probably are. Uh, Justin Murray has taken steps, but they're, they're so infinitesimal that you can't really tell with the naked eye. So this offseason, even though it's going to be truncated like everybody says, it's, it's going to be very, very important that Sean Kugler, who is the unsung hero of the Arizona Cardinals franchise and the offensive line coach, for him to work some magic to kind of put this offensive line together and hope that it doesn't split. I hope injuries aren't a huge concern. DJ Humphreys finally played a full year last year, and that was probably attributed to the best offensive lineman the Arizona Cardinals have in Kyler's legs. But for right now, it's DJ Humphreys, probably Mason Cole, and that's about it. Folks, we got two days, just two days left in the Memorial Week sale over at BuiltBar.com. What we're doing is every single box that you order, you're getting $5 off. It ha- if it happens to be your first box and you use the promo code Locked On, then you're getting an additional $10 off on that box and then 5 on every one that you order after that. If you've never had one before, it's a great time to finally get in on it. You're saving a ton of money if you order it this week. They got now 19 different flavors to choose from, which is up from 15 what they normally have. Go check it out, and the best part is you don't even have to pick one flavor. If you're big into a lot of different kinds of protein bars, whether it's chocolate-based or fruit-based, sometimes peanut butter-based, they've got it all, and you can try one of each. If you haven't ordered one yet, you could do a mix box, get a bunch of different flavors, and get it for $15 off. It's crazy. So if you've never ordered one before, there has never been a better time to get your first Built Bar box. These are the best-tasting protein bars on the planet. They're fantastic for your macros. They got seven times less carbs and sugar than the than what you would consider the normal protein bars out there, but they still have the uptick in protein, right? They've got either 13, 15, 18, or sometimes even 20 grams in all of their bars. So never been a better time to get in on the Built Bar game. Head over to BuiltBar.com. Alex, my final question for you has to do with the two defensive linemen that they added in the fourth round, Lecky Fotu and Rashard Lawrence. And when I looked at even the first round projections for the Cardinals, I thought, okay, they could either kind of go best player available, they could either go offensive trenches, or defensive trenches they obviously have Chandler Jones but getting some compliments around them do guys like Fotu like Richard Lawrence do they help that cause were they the right picks and how do they fit along this Cardinals defensive line yeah yeah and and there's a big reason why Steve Kime is known for going for the small school guys in the third and fourth round Chase Edmonds David Johnson etc I know they play offense but it's still uh, in the same light. And you have a guy like Lecky Fotu. We had Kyle Whittingham on head coach of the uh, Utah Utes uh, right after the draft. And he spoke only positive things about this kid. He's, he's a he's a big teddy bear, but he is an absolute mauler. And then you draft a kid out of LSU, a big boy program, a team that won the national championship. It's such a far cry from what the Cardinals used to do. So those two in the fourth round, bringing Jordan Phillips in over, uh, from Buffalo, nine and a half sacks last year. It's a little bit overblown. I think he only has 12 and a half in his career. Take for that as you wish. The Cardinals needed through free agency and the draft to add depth. 
They are not exemplary at several positions, but they've added depth to most all of them. And that is something that you have to give Steve Kime credit for. And I've said since they drafted Kyler Murray, or since the end of the 2018 season, Steve Kime is a top 10 GM in the NFL over those last two years. And I firmly believe that the moves he's made, getting lucky with Kyler Murray so far, signing up Kingsbury, and all of the offseason moves he's made, whether it be through the draft or for agency, have proved positive for the future of this team. And those two defensive tackles and signing Jordan Phillips is a huge step in the right direction for stopping a run, which they've been unable to do so over the last couple of seasons. My final question for you, Alex, concerns uh, understanding the running back room and how things are going to get dealt with there. Kenyon Drake initially gets the transition tag after being acquired from Miami, which was a really good in-season trade. Like you brought up Chase Edmonds on this roster, the Fordham pick. He's been a good receiving guy. And then it's Eno Benjamin, a seventh-round pick who a lot of people thought was going to go a lot earlier, a player who was involved in the passing game in Arizona State, who was a bell cow back for Arizona State. We know that the running game for Arizona last year, ended up being a huge part of their offense, one of the most diverse and effective running games. So I'm curious, with a, a scramble quarterback in Kyler Murray, with the money given to Kenyon Drake, how do we anticipate these touches being doled out in the running back room? Drake's such a good receiver. Edmund's such a good receiver. Is this going to be Drake featured and, and we've just got depth behind him, or are they going to try to split things up between these three backs? Uh, first off, with the draft pick, as you mentioned, I thought Eno Benjamin was a late fourth-round pick early fifth round. I mean, we watch him at Arizona State. When when running backs have a nose for the end zone, you're going to have a job. And he has a nose for the end zone. There are just guys that can get in. David Johnson has a great nose for the end zone, whether it be on the ground or, or through the air. Say what you want about him, how he's deteriorated over the last couple seasons. The dude can get in the end zone. And, you know, Benjamin, although probably not right away, he will leapfrog Chase Edmonds. It's, Chase Edmonds has got an unfair shake. Uh, he's, he started two or three games and had – Two, three touchdown games in his career, I believe, once against Green Bay and then once against, or he had two touchdowns against Green Bay's rookie season in the game and then three against New York last year. He's going to kind of be the odd man out. The thing the Cardinals need to be careful with here is putting all of their money on Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, I've equated it to Jimmy Garoppolo getting traded to San Francisco, playing those last five games, going 5-0 and in games that didn't matter. And that's kind of what happened with the Cardinals last season. He had over 800 all-purpose yards, I believe, in the eight games that he played. But he had the four-touchdown bonkers game on, on primetime TV, and then he had a couple games of 50 and 60 yards rushing around there. So he, he wasn't over 100 every game that he played. It's just the numbers could be deceiving. So I think, to answer your question succinctly, he will be the guy getting 80% of the carries to start. But when it comes down to this offense next year, when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and you're going to utilize the tight end a little bit more and Arnold in the passing game and Kyler Murray's coming into his second year, we have no idea what this offense is going to look like. And anybody that says they do are either full of it or wrong. So uh, when it comes down to that, Kenyon Drake, I would guess 80%, and then the other guys would split 10-10. And when it came to the passing game, anybody can guess. I was really encouraged by what I saw last year, kind of towards the end of the year with the Cardinals, everything that Kyler Murray was able to get going and, and how it looked like Cliff Kingsbury was getting a little bit more comfortable, which is uh, not in only his role as a head coach, but certainly a play caller as well. Adding these guys to the mix and, of course, adding DeAndre Hopkins to it is only going to make for a more exciting projection out in Arizona. Alex, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate the time before we let you go. Uh, tell the people where they can find all your great stuff. 
So you can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner, follow the podcast at Locked on AZ Cars. You can listen to me on the drive. I'm a producer slash pseudo co-host, uh, Fox Sports 910 Phoenix. Ooh, he's got the alliteration in the uh, in the Twitter handle. So you got that's that's worth yeah. the follow in itself with Clancy's Corner. That's yeah. that, that that actually sounds like an awesome local sports bar that I would frequent, Clancy's cool. Corner. So and I so I got pineapple pizza and I have Clancy's Corner. I'm alliteration all over there. Oh my gosh. This is just the alliterations all over the place. There's too that's, much power. That's 100 percent <laughs> worth the follow right there, Alex. We really appreciate you joining us, man. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, guys. We got one more podcast to get to this week. It's everybody's favorite. It's Fan Friday. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.